Welcome to Wavelengths, a podcast with Amphenol Broadband Solutions. Hello, everyone. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and welcome to another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. Again, I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, and thank you so much for joining us on another episode of Amphenol's show. As we explore today's industry thought leadership, make sure that you're subscribing to our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Once you do, you'll have a full catalog of previous conversations, plus notifications when we drop new ones. And you're also going to want to go to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, amphenol, A-M-P-H-E-N-O-L, broadband.com. For more information on the various technologies we're going to break down today, but more importantly, some Amphenol content, including episodes of the show, videos, articles, and more. So for today's conversation of the show, we're going to be discussing some timely updates as well as challenges to realizing the autonomous vehicle dream. And that dream is hitting level five advanced driver assistance and basically full autonomy. The ever elusive higher levels of automation have made commercial production and adoption of fully autonomous driving systems a work in progress as companies test and explore various cutting edge technologies to achieve that autonomous dream, such as sensor systems, AI-enabled processing power, etc., to reach that mass production and universal adoption goal. Till we see level five, though, it appears that we're going to be stuck around level two autonomy for the short term, with level threes close to success, and levels four and five still prototyping for the most part for mass production. So with our conversation today, what we're wanting to do is break down what that journey to level three which is that next tangible goal in the broader automation goal, uh, what it's going to take to get there, what are the steps that are still missing, what is already moving in the right direction. And we're going to be adding a B2B spin by really focusing on the business relationships, the market movement, and technology investments that are necessary to move that automation mantle forward. So here to give us insights today on the program, we're joined by Hans Ulrich Mueller. He's Group Technology Manager for Amphenol Automotive products group. Mr. Mueller, great to have you on. How are you doing? Thank you so much, Daniel. I'm doing great. Um, hello to uh, the wonderful Texas and the U.S. Um, from Germany. I'm looking forward to uh, give some insights from the Automotive Products Group on autonomous driving. Yeah, well, it's great to have you on the program. And, you know, we'll give Germany a little Euro Cup shout. They just crushed Portugal the other day. And what an incredible showing. So, Great to have you joining us, yes, here in Dallas, Texas, a little crossover episode, but we've got a lot to unpack. I would love to learn more about your perspective here. So actually to start, do you mind giving our audience just a quick elevator pitch, you know, a little 30 second rundown on your background in this space and why you have some authority to speak to uh, the broader transition to autonomous vehicles? Yeah, I um, started as a mechanical engineer, graduated back in 1990 um, at the University in Stuttgart. And uh, I started my career uh, first in relay and connector manufacture, uh, design and manufacturing. Um, and I turned in the mid-90s to the auto industry and started in 1999 at um, Amphenol, um, one side of the Amphenol, um, as a design engineer and um, leader of um, R&D manager. 
Um, back in 2009, the, and firstly, we, we worked mainly with um, safety systems, um, airbag, um, SRS systems, connectors, um, so in the, in the passive safety, um, as well as uh, in high power, high power electrification. Um, at this time, no e-mobility, but in the meantime, we have a lot of e-mobility products and the safety and communication products. In, 1990, uh, in 2009, the Automotive Products Group was um, founded or formed inside the Amstelnoy Corporation. And, and since that time, we were growing into different technology segments. And since that time, I work here as a technology manager, um, supporting the new technologies, new areas um, of all our divisions in the automotive arena. Of course, the major trends um, in automotive is electrified driving, autonomous driving, shared um, out, uh, shared mobility. Um, these are the main drivers. And of course, the combination of autonomous driving and um, e-mobility is one of our major areas. And I've worked with uh, different companies in several years on these technologies. And yeah, we have a lot of um, experience and components supporting this industrial. It's not a disruption, it's an evolution. And that's exactly what we're going to dig into today. Thank you for that context. What I want to do now is really discuss that evolution and break down why the transition from level two to level three and onward really does look like adding on top of existing winning technologies and methodologies, but also try to draw some distinctions between what technologies and um, strategies for reaching level three and beyond have we not employed at scale yet that we should be and why. So what I want to do is give our audience another little elevator pitch recap. But this time, uh, just in case we have listeners who aren't familiar or need a refresher on the levels of autonomy, can you go down the line real quick and give us that uh, redefined update, basically how the industry is defining each of those levels from level zero, which is no autonomy, to level five, which is full autonomy. Where does each one of those regions land on the list and what does it encompass today? There is a, a good definition of the SAE um, about the six levels. Um, as you already mentioned, uh, level zero is nothing, nothing inside a car. Um, so the human driver need to do everything. Um, he is the sensor. The sensor is basically the eye. He is the actuator, um, steering and braking with the arm and the, um, and the leg. So everything is, um, let's say pure mechanical, um, and, um, controlled by the human, by the human. And then it starts with um, level one, level two. Um, these are the first initial um, sets with sensors or with systems that assist the driver. Um, it starts uh, really with a, um, with a control of steering, of um, the brake, of the, uh, of the speeding, um, speed control. Um, this is typically in level one, level two. Um, it is going to be a little more um, smart. You have a, 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 a let's say, ad adaptive cruise control where you really can, can set up also basic or easy functions like the distance to the, uh, to the, the vehicle in front of you and uh, so that the vehicle, the speed is, is reduced and uh, picking up. Um, this is more or less level one and level two. These are the, the typical um, systems that are inside um, every vehicle. Um, in the meantime, level two, a little, little more advanced. Um, but this is standard basic technology. When it comes then to level three, the system can take over the responsibility for uh, the driving for a certain time. Um, this means 
cars with level three are already equipped with a complete system that enables the vehicle to drive autonomously, um, which means um, all functions that are usually controlled by the human driver, uh, like steering, braking, lane, uh, lane control, and so on, have to be electrical in this, or has to be automated in the in the system. Typically, it's electric. And then, for a certain time, level three really allows um, that the vehicle is driving completely by its own. It's a couple seconds, thirty seconds, one minute, whatever. And it really depends on the vehicle. But after this time, um, at least the vehicle is giving a signal um, so that you take back control. I, I have a, a Mercedes. Um, there is a, a red sign then coming, um, telling um, take over the handle and grab your steering wheel again. Otherwise, after one minute, um, the car will um, will go into a stop situation and reduce the speed and come to a complete stop. This is level three. This is technically, um, at the moment, let's say the, the, the accessible or good state of the art, what, what is um, integrated, especially in premium vehicles. And then it goes to, um, but the, the, the system is really set up that the driver has to take over um, the control of the vehicle in a certain time. Um, then it comes to the, and this is also called highly automated or automated driving. And then it comes to level four and five. And these are both levels um, that are fully automated and fully autonomous. And really the, the, uh, the car is able to go from point A to point B um, without any interaction, at least in theory. A difference between level four and five is that in level four, this is still a classic vehicle uh, or a car um, that we are used to. So you have a driver's side, you have a, a, a driver's seat, you have a steering wheel, you have the pedals for the control, everything is inside the, the vehicle, um, but it's not needed in theory, or at least if you go autonomous, you don't need it. And if you talk about level five, same functions inside, but there is no steering wheel. There is no seat for a driver. Um, it is fully autonomous. Full, it goes um, um, fully uh, by itself. No control of a um, of a, a driver. There is actually uh, practically no driver inside. It's only passengers. No drivers. If you look into into the system itself, it's all, uh, it has to do a lot with um, with uh, responsibility. Who takes the responsibility in the vehicle? And going up to level four, the driver is responsible. And at the level five, this is a, um, there is no driver. So uh, there is no responsibility at the driver. So the, um, this question is still um, challenging in some areas. But then uh, really the owner or the fleet um, um, person um, need to, to take the responsibility. And this is um, basically the level zero to, to five. Um, at the moment, the industry is in the area mainly between two, um, some vehicles at, at three, and some pilot cars um, are already able to run four, um, but in a very, yeah, very experimental um, status. Right. Yeah, that higher autonomy is definitely still in the prototype era, the beta testing era. Uh, but, you know, from what you're describing, it sounds like level three is maybe a little closer than it sounds, at least mass production. So that's what we'll dig into here. You brought it up earlier 
you've been a leader in the industry for years now. Over those years, obviously, autonomous vehicles have gained more clout, but more importantly, more visibility and the achievability of reaching autonomous vehicles at scale uh, has felt more in our grasp. So I'm curious, how have you seen the conversation around what is and isn't achievable for autonomous vehicle solutions evolve during your industry tenure? Because to your point, uh, the broader push for autonomy, it is an evolution. And obviously, the conversations around that have changed and evolved as well. So go ahead and break down how you've seen that public conversation, specifically from industry professionals, also change since you've been in the industry. Um, yeah, there is, there is of course, uh, of course uh, uh, a change, and we have we have to look into into a, uh, the system, autonomous um, vehicle system. Um, if we are talking about autonomous vehicles, everyone thinks about a, a passenger car that is running on the road and that is just going independently without a driver. But this is not the market and the whole market for autonomous vehicles. Um, just think about all the other possibilities for autonomous driving and vehicles. Um, starting with um, delivery trucks, robot taxis, and there you have um, services um, to, to deliver goods or, um, or individuals um, to bring it from A to B. Um, but it's also going into agriculture, where you have automated farming, um, where you have in, the, in a factory uh, transportation. Um, there is a lot of autonomous uh, driving already there, uh, where you have uh, limited tasks, limited um, duties, and it's a limited area. And you see a lot of autonomy um, really running there um, already. Also, if you look into, into the aircraft industry, autopilot in the aircraft is a standard feature since a lot of years. And the, the aircraft is, uh, is driving by itself over the Atlantic Ocean, no, no interaction of the pilot needed. So it's not, it's not really new. Um, what is the challenge in, when it comes to vehicle is really the reaction time or the time um, that is needed to transfer um, a vehicle in drive mode or driving vehicle into a safe condition. And if you just look into an airplane, an airplane, if there is um, any error or whatever, you have minutes until uh, you reach a critical situation, usually minutes until you reach a, a critical situation. And if you just think on a ve vehicle that is driving in a suburban um, area, uh, children are there on the street playing whatever uh, with a bicycle or with a ball or whatever, you have milliseconds um, to to react and to bring the vehicle into a safe state, and that's that's I think the, the biggest difference. So the, to come from an a, a, a instable situation into a stable situation, and that's in the in the autonomous driving of a vehicle, um, really the highest demand to have this in a very very short time. And then we have we have also on the other side the expectation. If you talk about autonomous vehicles, everybody thinks that really, uh, or a lot of people think um, autonomous is everything is autonomous. Uh, but I think it will it will happen in um, in steps. If you if today I, I really can think easy um, of an or the system is is easy for an autonomous uh, autonomous highway um, highway driving or highway assistance, um, so that you enter the highway have a couple hundred miles to drive. And the system is really able to to handle this without any issues. You have not so uh, not so critical um, interactions with with unforeseen um, obstacles or events that happen in in in, a, in an urban situation or in, in surrounding um, from time to time. And it will take 
this this will come soon, I guess, um, sooner than uh, full auto, fully autonomous where you have also a vehicle in suburban um, uh, areas or metropole areas or even off road. You know, think about um, the big um, the big areas um, in the in, in north or north northeast or whatever. It's it's really uh, northwest. It's it's really wide territory, and it will take a longer time until you have all the data there available. Um, that is uh, enabling you to drive there autonomous. So you, we have to to look into different um, different sections there. Sure. Um, what what will influence this um, the, the yeah the autonomous driving itself? Right. So right now, what we see being mass produced is max around level two. You said we've got some kind of pro level cars, some more luxury level cars today that do offer level three and then prototyping around level four. So how are industry professionals today treating that transition from level two to level three at scale? What is being seen as achievable? Uh, what is being treated as a roadblock that is inhibiting that scale from two to three? Go ahead and give us some insight into how professionals are maneuvering this challenge today and why. Yeah, maybe maybe we have to to do a, to give a little um, a little excourse into into the technical system of uh, autonomous what is needed. So first of all, uh, autonomous vehicle is acting like everybody has three three levels: um, to see, to think, and to act. To see, the vehicle needs information, and information is coming from um, from different sensors, cameras, radar, leader in front of the vehicle, from the outside, from the back, from whatever direction. But information comes also um, via the cloud. And this is one of the topics of the today's um, discussion as well. Um, 5G as an enabler um, of, um, of data. So you need, you need precise um, data about your environment that you are in. Map data, high, high resolution map data. Um, what is in the traffic, the traffic conditions, if there is a, a construction area and whatever, and communication vehicle to vehicle, um, what is there around the corner. A best sensor system in a vehicle can be only as good as the human eye because you can't look around the corner. Looking around the corner, you can only do with connectivity, and therefore you need real data, real-time data, um, and communicate it to a vehicle. So this is the portion to see, um, to really... Yeah, see everything which is around and around the corner. And then you need to think. Uh, for thinking, you need um, a lot of software, a lot of inter information, a lot of algorithm um, to really detect and uh, predict what is the current or describe the current situation and predict what is next. And then, of course, you have to have the action, uh, the act, and therefore you have to have the electrified um, system in the vehicle to have auto automatic steering, automatic braking, acceleration, the powertrain, the chassis system. And of course, you need also to interact and to control everything or to maneuver everything. So you need an advanced HMI system. Very often um, it's uh, voice controlled um, to interact with the vehicle in a, uh, in a way which makes it possible. So this the think act is the, the chain of commands that, that is needed. If you look into level two, level two has advanced sensors um, to see, but it's not not to see around the corner and it's not to see and get the information over the cloud or over, uh, over the 5G services. Um, it's only to see what is there. And this is 
um, yeah, possible with a um, with a reasonable um, um, complexity, and complexity means means there also a reasonable cost. When it comes then to level three, you need to have then also the electric um, or the automated um, actuator, um, steering, braking, acceleration, powertrain, whatever. Um, so you need another level of information. And when it comes to um, uh, yeah to the level three driving. Uh, autonomously, you need also to have there uh, much more computing power and power um, really to calculate everything. And this is um, basically a cost factor. It's not a technical factor right now. It's a cost factor. And if you if you really look into the add-on, the add-on is the same regardless if it's a, a basic car, a small car, or a premium um, car in the premium segment. And that's why really it's mainly at the moment used in uh, in premium cars because the add-on is percentage-wise or the add-on itself is not that significant as at a small car. And that's, I think, the reason why, why most new technology and innovation is first introduced in the premium car segments. Mercedes S-Class um, is one of the, uh, of the technology or BMW 7 Series. Um, are the, uh, the areas where new technologies are usually introduced first, and then it goes down to mid-sized cars, um, and then uh, to the mass to the mass cars. And this this happened with all innovation, all significant innovation like the airbag system. Um, the moment when it comes really to the um, to the premium uh, from the premium to the mid-sized and to the um, to the uh, yeah basic cars, uh, the volume really exploded. And I just can tell you. Um, in the time when I started, 1995, um, with the with the industry, this was really the time where um, you come from 10 million to 100 million to 1 billion, uh, really in in a very short period of time, applications per vehicle. This is this is really at the moment on a level cost-wise, the add-on, um, which is or the complexity, um, which is eaten up in the premium segment. The moment when it comes really available, it becomes available at the higher uh, volume, economy of scale, um, then I think it's, it's step by step. It will come also to the to the next level of vehicles. Um, and yeah, you will see this transition going on in the next years uh, from level two to level three and probably there also level four. Uh, but mainly three is in the next uh, in the next four to five years uh, development, which is which is going on. So for those core technologies then that are basically essential for enabling the thinking and the acting side of autonomy, or at least uh, raising their capacity, what is holding that technology back right now from uh, achieving level three at a sort of mass consumer production scale, uh, and why? I think the systems are available. Um, but at the moment, at a certain cost, and, and that's that's really again it comes comes to that point, and you you can't really um, put them into um, into systems where you um, where you have uh, yeah really yeah if you if you look into a camera or in the front system um, that you have in the front of the car, you have a radar, lidar, um, ultras uh, ultrasonic um, sensors, you have uh, cameras, 3D cameras. This is one side, and then you you also need to um, yeah to to cluster all the information to make a virtual uh, picture of the scenery around your vehicle and in front of your vehicle. This is a um, really with a high density uh, is there needed, 
you need to detect the obstacles or the, um, the things, the objects, um, and then define um, what might be the strategy or the movement, um, the change of the movement of this, uh, of this object mm. um, to, to, to see the difference between a, um, a child in a, a hundred yards distance um, and um, a, a dustbin. This is not, not so easy. Uh, and then also see, has the children a ball? Is the ball falling down? Is it running towards the street? Is this moving in the other direction? Um, this all need to be, uh, to be detected and described and predicted then um, what is the right strategy for the next move. And coming back to, yeah, what, what is the, um, what will be the enabler from level two to level three? I think it's it's the economy of scale. Um, maybe with with new uh, new generations of, or for sure, new generations of of sensors of combined um, systems, um, where you where you have get a better a better chance um, to um, to really generate um, the complete model uh, model of your surrounding. So the sensor cluster um, this will will help a lot. And this is one of the main focus areas in the future for soft and hardware, really to um, yeah to bring this to a next level, um, to to bring the cost down um, for the system needed in level three and level four. And real quick, before we uh, look at the bigger picture here, and I introduce some other context, um, ABS and Amphenol Corporation, which is a sort of broader. Uh, Amphenol Broadband Solutions, parent company and project. Uh, I know y'all manufacture several core components for the autonomous vehicle ecosystem, everything from engines to switchers and sensors, and that really is a summarized list. So what I'd like to ask is, where does ABS's technology portfolio fit into this ecosystem? And how do you see some of the solutions that Amphenol is creating? enable this transition from level two to level three? Basically, what role does, uh, excuse me, does ABS and Amphenol play in achieving that transition from level two to level three? All the systems that are in the vehicle um, require a high communication and data traffic in the vehicle and also to the outside, to the infrastructure, to vehicle to vehicle, wherever. Um, so it starts when we're talking about um, the vehicle, it starts with the antenna, uh, antenna system communicating with 5G, but also um, other um, other uh, frequency bands, the communication to the outside. And Amphenol is supporting both sides, um, one on the infrastructure side with our antennas, with our broadband solutions, um, with the connectivity and the wiring and the, the systems. Um, that enable the infrastructure um, to have this grid and uh, this array of um, of network. Um, but then it comes to the vehicle. Then you have this, this antenna, the 5G antenna. And very often you have um, much more antennas than one in the vehicle. In the vehicle, we are talking in the meantime about 20, uh, 20 antennas for the different uh, frequencies and, and bands. Um, and the higher it goes, um, the, the more you have to look into the losses that are there and connect then the antenna um, with, the, with the receiver and with the receiver inside a vehicle, uh, the network, um, you need to connect it to the, to the server, to the domain um, controllers, um, and then down to all the uh, controller levels um, that um, control and enable the communication with all the different systems, the sensors and the actuators. And this is where uh, our main focus is, is there from the antenna to the wiring 
um, from the wiring to the um, yeah, inside the board uh, or I.O. ports um, in the electronics, inside the electronics, the, um, the board-to-board connections, the high-speed high backplanes, everything there. But then it comes also to the actuator, the, um, the system. Um, so everywhere um, you find components and systems um, that are developed and designed by Amphenol. We work there very close with our um, customers, with the OEMs, with the vehicle manufacturers, but also the successful tier ones who do the systems. And that's, that's the area um, where we are. And if you think about autonomous driving, it's even more um, that is needed than just the systems. For example, we have a, a washer fluid um, um, control system, which is considered as a part of the ADAS um, or autonomous driving system to control the fuel level, uh, the, the washer fuel fluid um, that washes the camera in case of dirt. Um, so this is considered as a system that is needed um, because you have to make sure that in every case your camera system has the, uh, uh, an optimal view for the front uh, in front of the vehicle. And so if there is a dirt, you need to wash it away. And to wash it away, you need the washer fluid. And that's just the simple things that are needed. And we as Amphenol support all these areas and arenas and yeah, have the clear focus to have a high reliable system in the vehicle um, that is enabling uh, autonomous vehicle technology. Hans, thank you so much for your insight so far. What I want to do now is try to get a little more granular with some of the dynamics beyond technology and beyond cost that are also shaping the rollout to level three. Uh, so first I want to chat uh, how the OEMs play into this discussion. So as the industry seeks to reach level three, it means that there's a convergence of OEMs, contract manufacturers, suppliers, software developers, et cetera, et cetera. Basically, several different industry players and even uh, beyond that, different verticals coming together and collaborating to discover that right path to level three. Uh, and that means that they need to find a path that is economical uh, and obviously you know, fruitful for the vested interests, but also a path that is beneficial for the end users and for the environment as well, which seems to be a leading metric in these discussions. So in your opinion, how should these disparate players across the industry organize some of their innovative responsibilities so that they can work efficiently to achieve level three? Basically, across that autonomous vehicle supply chain, who should take on the burden of you know, fixing this issue, solving this challenge, or discovering this direction uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, for getting from level two to level three. How do you see that division of broader labor uh, playing out? Or how should it play out in your opinion? I would honestly not um, not tell, uh, say it from level two to level three, um, because level two to level three is just adding the, the existing systems. It's going toward level four and five. Um, this is the important area um, where um, a lot of this, um, yeah, contributing factors need to be solved and need to, um, yeah, need to, to, to reach the next level. And this is mainly also with the, um, with corporations and with this different, um, stakeholders and, um, supporters of the, of this industry or enablers of the, this industry. First of all, it is needed to have their, um, a real good concept on safety, reliability, and therefore you need to do a lot of testing, a lot of simulation, um, and proof that the technology is reliable, is safe. 
Um, because one of the biggest um, roadblocks right now um, is for sure the acceptance of the of the of the people. Technically, it is working. Um, the vehicle is always acting um, in the same way. It has its algorithm. It has its um, standard. It will never be tired. It will never be dis dis uh, dis disrupted with, with any um, any influences from the outside. It's just yeah, always available, twenty four seven. It's running. But um, it is a technical system, and a technical system has also some some failures, some fail rates, um, and yeah, you need to make it as safe as possible. And safety and security, also cybersecurity, is one of the, the big challenges um, where all the different industries need to work together. How to protect um, the vehicle, the driver, or the, the, the passengers inside? and protect the environment. Of course, a vehicle is also in a, in a very harsh environment, so it has to be very robust. Um, if you think about a vehicle on the road in the winter, you have every day from minus to plus or in centigrees, um, but from zero to a, to a lot in Fahrenheit, you need, you need to have their uh, really very robust systems. You have to fulfill the functional safety requirements. Very often you need redundant systems. If you think about uh, um, the essential uh, functions in the driving, if you have one um, error in one in one central computing unit, um, immediately in a um, in less than milliseconds you have to kick in um, the basic functions with a with a redundant system and take over the control to bring the car again into a safe status. And all this require a lot of um, of innovation and cooperation um, to really um, have the technical reliable system um, to have also yeah acceptance level um, of the of the of the people using um, highly automated or autonomous driving. And of course, um, it has also to to be uh, what needs to be solved is the liability case. Up to now. The driver is always uh, liable for a car, and this goes back to the to the 60s, um, where the Vienna Convention told that uh, or defined um, that the driver is always liable uh, um, and responsible for the vehicle. But what if you don't have a driver anymore, or not at least not a driver um, in, in in service? Um, so all these things need to be also addressed: liability, responsibility. Moral is a big point um, that require um, also a, a discussion or a political discussion. Um, there is always in the discussion something about these dilemma situations. What happens um, if you uh, if you have a, a situation um, where you can only take one of two decisions? Um, if, yeah, both are bad or both are wrong. Uh, but who takes it? Um, a driver is um, a human driver is uh, taking the decision by in, uh, yeah, intuitive um, decision. A system, an autonomous driving system, must have there an algorithm, a line in the program um, that says A or B. And this is this is a, um, a very critical critical point. Who decides what is more important? Uh, a pregnant um, woman or a, a Group of, of children. What is more important? And this is this is a, a question that could not be un answered. It, it is it is just one of the big challenges that are there. These dilemma situations and dilemma decisions to do it not yeah, in, in intuitive um, decision, but with a programmed decision. 
And yeah, these are a lot of, of things that are uh, that need to happen in parallel. To have the technical system, um, to have the legal um, aspects and the moral aspects, um, and safety, security to bring this all to to, the, um, to one consensus. And this will take um, a, several years now um, until we really see there a significant progress and a significant um, number of um, autonomous vehicles on our road. All right, Hans, thanks for the insights again there. What I want to do now is pull from your German background a little bit. Uh, since you are a German guest here for us, I want to highlight what the government of Germany has been doing as of late to build a framework for mass AV adoption and use that as a bouncing off point for understanding, does this set the bar in any ways for global transitions from level two to level three? Basically, they recently rolled out some regulation and policy uh, for at scale level three autonomy and how to achieve it, as well as some of the metrics that need to be decided. Uh, their legal framework is still in its infancy, but these AV regulations passed in late May and now basically have federated guidelines, including procedures for getting an AV operation license, for example, or regulating data processing and type approval for autonomous vehicles, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, so could you give us some more context on this uh, and how does this regulatory framework impact the rest of the world's push toward level three and above at scale? Does it set any new important bars that you think are positive? Or is there anywhere that you see room for improvement that we should also be talking about? Yeah, we, we, we talked before about the different aspects um, that need to be solved. And the legal aspect and the framework for the industry that is um, involved in the development of the different technical systems or ecosystems um, is an important step forward. So the German um, government uh, really brought this um, new regulation um, in May um, or uh, decided in May. Uh, and this gives the all the stakeholders in the autonomous um, driving uh, industry a better basis um, for the strategy, for the risk assessment and for uh, yeah, to define their roadmaps, how to, to move ahead and to, to go ahead. But, but you have to see what is what is exactly inside. You already mentioned this. Um, this is... Um, yeah, it's defining the conditions, how, um, how a vehicle, um, autonomous vehicle, self-driving vehicle acts on the, on the uh, public road traffic. Um, and it does a regular, um, uh, regulation, um, and gives some, um, yeah, some, some guidelines. It regulates, among other things, the obligation of the vehicle owner and the manufacturer, as well as the technical supervision, um, which steers and controls um, the vehicle itself. But it's not a distance from, uh, but not a, at the at the distance, but everything that is inside or onside the vehicle. And this steering comes from an autonomous vehicle. Uh, yeah, everything that comes from the autonomous vehicle function itself in the vehicle. And this is, yeah, giving, giving also the, the framework or giving the framework with an open um, system. And there's the so-called dual mode systems, um, systems or vehicles that um, are already equipped with, with all the technical content uh, to enable level three or level four. And that just um, have then the upgrade um, possibility to run level four. And yeah, this is just giving the framework um, of all the, the regulations. I think it's important, an important step, um, especially also for Germany, um, 
who has this uh, yeah, innovative leading um, position in, auto, in the autonomous or in the automotive um, market or area. But it's in the meantime, not, not only Germany or Europe, um, all these um, customer or suppliers, um, they act globally. And even if the supplier is considered as a German corporation, a lot of the development is done um, in the Silicon Valley, in everywhere in the, in the world. Um, so it's a, it's a global, a global system, but one of the, of the key factors for the German industry is really, um, to stay ahead or stay uh, really on top, um, of this, um, vehicle autonomous uh, technology. It's one of the remaining areas where the, the German uh, industry is somehow in, in a leading position. But as mentioned, it's not only Germany. They are German headquartered, but the development is global. Sure. There's some other big news I want to highlight here, and that's coming out of GM. Uh, the auto manufacturer announced recently it's now planning on spending around $35 billion on boosting both its electric vehicle and its autonomous vehicle investments, just signaling that this is becoming a priority for some of the leading auto manufacturers across the uh, broader uh, vehicle supply chain. So I'm wondering where should that money be going if GM wants to get level three and above off the ground? You know, for example, let's say GM launches the first level three mass produced at scale consumer vehicle. Where should they be investing their money now to realize that vision and why? Yeah, first of all, it's a combined uh, investment in EV and AV. So I think one big portion um, will will con uh, be consumed by the electric vehicle, vehicle electrification. And here the biggest challenge is really to um, to bring the cost um, to a, to an acceptable level and to um, yeah to work on the uh, battery battery um, density to have to have there an acceptable uh, range charging everything which is linked to the EV. So this is this is one significant area. And then for um, AV or for um, autonomous driving, um, of course, it's the integration or the further development of the um, of the hardware that is needed on a sensor on an actuator uh, level to integrate that on a um, on a acceptable complexity in the vehicle. Um, and then when it comes to level level three and above. Um, also very important is the software and hardware development software, all the algorithm that are um, in the vehicle um, to take the right decision to consider all the situation um, to detect and to um, to have the, um, the, the surrounding of the vehicle in a, in a, in a model. So there's a lot of um, software development needed. It also needs um, um, artificial intelligence. Um, you need to calculate or to see the, all the data that are created in the vehicle or communicated to a vehicle, really focus on the significant data. You have to um, do a pattern recognition, what is significant and what is not significant, and bring all this level into, um, yeah, into, a, into a clear um, decision matrix. And I think this is an area where a lot of um, investment is needed or a lot of R&D is needed really to bring and this artificial intelligence and the software and hardware in the vehicle to the next level. Hardware development is happening um, in parallel with the with the development or with the increase of, of computing power with the Moore's laws. This is still still valid. This is helping all this industry and these technologies a lot. Systems are available, are functional now, 
um, but absolutely not acceptable for um, for a, a, a user. With safety first, um, the car would stop every every other second um, because it has to recalculate and rethink the situation and then move the next step. These developments need to go in parallel, and R&D is mainly needed in software and hardware development and electrifying the complete drivetrain. All right, Hans, last question for you. But in summary, what are the most actionable steps that the industry at large should be prioritizing to put level three autonomy on roads everywhere, right? Because it seems like there's a lot of moving pieces and you brought it up yourself. This needs to be sort of a coordinated mass investment across various parties. So, you know, as I ask this question, I know there's not just going to be one sort of magic wave your wand answer, uh, but, you know, should we be focusing more on regulatory movement? Should this be something that is an investment into already existing technologies, but just boosting their capacity uh, or boosting the cost it takes to produce these at scale? Is this an issue where we need to be innovating around newer technologies that have yet to see uh, scaled production? Basically weigh some of those various moving pieces. How should we be prioritizing them and draw some connections between level two and level three? Again, just sort of in summary to wrap us up here. I think you you can't really um, prioritize only one of these um, important elements of the whole infrastructure that is needed. Right. Um, it has to run all in parallel. Very important is the communication, the cooperation, and collaboration in the different of the dis different disciplines. We have with autonomous driving also the special situation that in some areas a change of paradigms. If you look into into the auto industry, auto industry is just say very conservative. Um, you have a product lifetime, usually uh, from the development until the vehicle um, is no longer there. It's six, seven, eight, maybe 10 years. And the development time before you launch a vehicle um, is typically two to three years. If you just think on the, uh, on the other technology field, which is very important, like mobile devices, your cell phone, um, your com communication devices, um, you have a, a product lifetime, which is probably half a year, and then you have the next generation, um, which is creating a lot of um, expectation for the for the system. So a vehicle need to really, uh, or we have there two field, two worlds that are that are coming together. We have on one side, the very conservative autonom uh, automobile industry. They are um, really focused on a long lifetime. A vehicle must, uh, must run 10, 15 years, um, high re reliable. Um, it is a costly device, so you don't throw it away after two or three years um, if it's not running. It need, it has a really harsh and critical environment. Um, and on the other side, the people are expecting their system that um, has the latest and greatest possibility um, that you see in all the apps that you have in your um, in your private mobile device. And to bring really both worlds together, this is one of the biggest challenges that that I see. And yeah. Companies or corporations like Amphenol is really there on a, on a very good position because we know both worlds. We know the automotive world and we know the world of mobile um, communication and mobile networks and networking. But it's, this also needs to happen with the, with the automaker. And this is also something you, um, you see more and more that um, IT, big IT, IT giants are working with the autonomous, uh, automobile industry. And so there are several announcements out there with whom Apple will make his first car. Um, 
you have you have Google who is cooperating with a lot of um, or is in discussion with a lot of OEMs. Um, there are new partnerships, um, new alliances um, there. Um, so you you see it more and more um, that really these industries are um, having having a yeah a merging situation, bring it come together. And I think this is one of the of the biggest important enablers for autonomous driving and for highly automated driving, and that the different industries are coming together, and um, we take the best of all industries and make a reliable and a safe um, autonomous infrastructure. And I think on that note, Hans Ulrich Mueller will go ahead and wrap up our conversation today. So thank you so much for joining us on this episode of Wavelengths and breaking down some of the challenges as well as the coordinated opportunities for transitioning from level two to level three, autonomy at scale. Again, we've been chatting with Hans Ulrich Mueller, Group Technology Manager for Amphenol Automotive Products Group. Uh, Mr. Mueller, if folks want to find out a little bit more about some of your work in this space, they want to follow along with your thought leadership and research, or maybe they just want to learn more about where ABS fits into this broader transition, how can they learn more or how can they get in touch? Yeah, of course, we are um, available globally um, to support all our customers and who are interested. We have this website that you just mentioned, um, also amphenol.com or amphenol-automotive.de. Um, so these are all the websites where you yeah, you can find us. And yeah, we are available for you and the industry. Perfect. Hans Ulrich Mueller, thank you again. We'll chat again soon. Thank you. Have a great day. And thank you everyone for watching another episode of Wavelengths, an Amphenol Broadband Solutions podcast. If you like what you heard and saw and want some previous episodes or you don't want to miss out on any future conversations, make sure that you're subscribing to Apple Podcasts and Spotify, where you'll find more episodes of Wavelengths in audio form. If you want to see all the videos, make sure that you're heading to our website, amphenolbroadband.com. Again, amphenolbroadband.com. I'm your host, Daniel Litwin, the voice of B2B, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Wavelengths.